ceremony, Librarius Omnis, where we explore the depths of the Black Library. Hello everyone and welcome back to Iron and Ceramite present Librarius Omnis and this is part four of our coverage of Battle for the Abyss. Uh, my name is John and as always I'm joined by Shane. How are you doing mate? I'm all good thank you, very good. You're good? Excited to get through this bit? Uh, I am, uh, like it's, uh, it's uh, as I said, like it's, a, it's obviously we've, we've turned this into a four-parter again and into, uh, into our, oh, our yeah. coverage of, 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 the, of the book and as, as we've said in the others it's very much a um, uh, like this one is your action movie, your 80s action flick to uh, maybe the more brooding books of the, 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 the heresy that we've read up until now. Um, and this is very much the conclusion to that action flick yeah. um, with a lot of big set pieces, a lot of fast pace. Um, obviously, for that, that those, those that followed along, you know that I tend to listen to the audiobook versions. And uh, listening to it, it just it flew by because it's, um, it's very much a a fast-paced end to the uh end end to this story so um yeah really looking forward to this bit because we, we see a lot of concluding parts and we see a lot of a lot of stuff come to um, come to heroic um a heroic conclusion yeah yeah everyone's gonna play everyone who's left plays a good part and everyone gets their moment in this book it's, like it's gonna be it's gonna be good i'm looking forward to doing this yeah, absolutely. Um, and then a, a bit of a, a, a to give everyone a bit of an update of where we've got to, uh, yeah. how we've progressed so far. So obviously, part one, um, we covered um, the, the the furious abyss um, revealed, as it were, as it as it destroyed some uh, ultramarines. I think it was the Fist of McCrag, um, so took down one of the, the big uh, ultramarine battle cruisers and, and headed out towards um, Kalf, um and. Um, it's 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 uh, sort of duty of trying to to take out the ultramarines um, uh, in a bit of um, revenge for uh, for what what's happened to the word bearers at this point. Obviously, we we start to understand that um, parts of the Mechanicum are probably in, involved in the heresy, um, and that there's this is after the uh, the Council of Nikea, so there's there's a lot of um, tortured decisions uh by the ultramarine captain cestus who's who's leading this mission mm-hmm. in terms of how much he leans into um psychic premonition and 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 the powers of motep the thousand sun that's 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 with them um and while they give chase uh to the furious abyss their their small flotilla their ragtag bunch of ships that they've managed to pull together is pretty much destroyed until uh only uh, the Raffle, which is the the ship uh, from the Saturnine fleet, led by uh, Admiral Kaminska, um, who's, who's a bit miffed at being displaced, but we talk about that in more detail. Uh, Gibbs chase, so chases after the uh, uh, the Furious Abyss, um, which does has to does have to stop for repairs um, in Backer uh, Backer Docks, um, where a uh, audacious attempt to take it down is is launched by the uh, the the Space Marines aboard the Ruffle, so a contingent of um, Ultramarines, uh, Space Wolves, um, and uh, Word Bearers, um, ultimately uh, unsuccessful, uh, but a few of them get on board. Um, 
particularly uh, Antigua's and Scroll. Scroll mm. being um, one of the, the world eaters. Sorry, world eaters, not world bearers. One of the world eaters. Um, and um, Antigua's being the second in command to Cestus, uh, who unfortunately does uh, does 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 die in his efforts. But Scroll survives and is stalked, hunted on the ship um, for a while. And we, we catch up with him to see see where, where he gets to. Um and they also take one of the, the word bearers captive. Um, they can't get anything out of him. They're, they're you know, the fanatic zealot that they are. Um, and eventually, Cestus um, decides that he's going to let Motep, the Thousand Sun, at him. Um, and obviously, a bit of uh, psychic uh, chicanery goes on. And um, Motep is able to, to, to find out some further information. However, at that point, um, the rough, uh, not the raffle, the furious abyss sends out some warp, warp spawns and warp creatures to aid in shaking off the raffle, um, which Motep does actually help help get rid of. But again, using the psychic fortitude ends up in a bit of a coma. Um, I think I've got that right. Anyway, <laughs> so there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. We get to where we get to now. They've, they've got the raffle has managed to get its way all the way through the warp chasing the, uh, the 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 furious abyss and then just as we left them um zadkiel the uh, captain of the the furious abyss um unleashes um more warp uh warp magics warp warp, warp assistance mm-hmm. to uh slow up and destroy the raffle um and that's that's where we join it yeah yeah Cool. So we're going to get into it now without further delay. And so that was the end of chapter 15. So we'll jump into 16. Fleet Corferon and a storm breaks. So where we left it and where we rejoin, Kaminska is summoned to the navigator chamber aboard the raffle. Um, the navigator has sighted McCrag in the distance of the warp. He tells her that he can also see something else. And she asks, is it another planet or ship? And he says, it's more likely a fleet hidden in the shadows of the wart. The wart? <laughs> in the shadows of the warp. Uh, she asks, hopefully, that it's another ultramarine fleet heading towards McCrag as backup. But they both come to the grim conclusion that is the word bearers. Uh, and now we're going to go to those word bearers and on board with Corferon. He sat on his black iron throne aboard the Infidus Imperator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is um, f- the favoured son of Lorgar and is in the position of a powerful tyrant. He has heavy chains decorated in skulls and symbols of dedication link from his shoulders to his chest plate. A spiked iron halo across his shoulders and backpack uh, around his neck bearing the symbols of the Legion and his armour is etched with the writings of Lorgar himself. And he has parchment streaming from every joint going. Um, very gothic, very extravagant, yeah, um, and very impractical. I would suggest. Um, Barbe looks cool. He, um, he's a bit like because um, I don't know whether you know much about Corferon, um, but he's a he's a bit like um, Luther from the Dark Angels in that he is the father figure of the Primarch. So right, okay. in this instance, Corferon is the um, like the, the, the father figure of Lorgar. 
Okay. Oh, okay. So he's he's like his he is he is as a, as it said they're like a trusted son, but he he's the one that kind of found and Shaped guided Lorgar yeah. to his uh, to to his way now, and therefore holds sway over him. He's always been corrupt, and wow. once the emperor kind of um, indicated that he was not to be worshipped, he kind of started whispering. Him and Erebus started whispering in his, oh, wow. saying like, wow. "There are other gods that you might want to worship." Okay. So, but that that comes in um, the the first heretic, heretic. Oh, so not too far away then. No, 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 no. Which oh. is, I think, it's why. Uh, side note, I think yeah. it's why Tom Tom likes it quite a lot oh. as well because it's got all of that juicy stuff going on. Mm. But for oh. those that know Corferon, you know, you know, you'll already know that. For those that don't, that's coming. So, cool. you know, it's good. Look forward to that one then. Okay, so now we've got a bit of a test because, for me anyway, he is with six of his chapter masters with him. Um, they've all got really, really very, very difficulty of names for me to go through. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how we do. Um, yeah. However, they're not pleased with the progress of Zadkiel, uh, who is actually behind schedule now. Um, so going through these guys that are with him, you have Fair Scarrell, um, master of the chapter of the opening eye. Uh, and he tells him that the last report shows that Zadkiel was being followed. Um, and it's possible that he's just showing caution. Um, Corferon doesn't accept that. He says he's in the furious abyss. He should have destroyed everything. Yeah. There's no reason for him to show caution. Um, and Zadkiel must know the consequences that face us if we fail. Uh, Denoy's uh, master of the burning hand chapter steps forward uh, and says that Lorgar shows Zadkil favour. It is written that we will not fail. Um, and this guy, his hands are permanently aflame, uh, hence the name. Um, and he's got like gas burners attached to each wrist. So his mm. hands are always on fire. Um, I don't know why, but they, they do tell us that part. I don't know if you know, or we might find out later. But it's just, I think it's just... Why not? You know, this is the word bearers, right? They're all like... Very you know, extreme. They're, they're, they're gothic zealots. So mm-hmm. it's the same as like the Sisters of Battle these days, right? You know, oh, yeah. And the pennant engines and all of this, you know, torture porn stuff yeah. that's going on. <laughs> so it's the same business. Okay. We'll just accept it then. Yeah. Um, um, so with that, like Corfer, he, he doesn't accept that. Um, he states that it wasn't written that they would succeed without great loss to themselves. Uh, and if Zadkil fails, it makes their job that much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, Rukis, master of the Crimson Mask, adds that they should worry about themselves and leave, and leave Zadkil to his own fate. Um, but Corfero knows that that will only reflect badly on himself if Zadkil fails. He doesn't want to interfere, really, but he's getting impatient. Uh, this one, Skolymphos, master of the Ebony Serpent, chapter asks how they might be able to assist Zadkil. Um, and Corferon turns to Master Tenebron uh, of the Void and asks if there is a way they can reach Zadkil through the warp. Even though he is days ahead, uh, Tenebron tells him that it will require the use of their supplicants. Um, mm-hmm. They have 130 left, but this will be costly, uh, and they'll probably lose more than half, um, and that will risk their sort of masking um, and because they're hidden, using these supplicants to hide. Um, and if, if they lose too many, it will reveal them um, prior to when they want to be. So yeah. Corferon snaps and says, do it. Give me a storm. Um, so with that, 
Tenebron takes Corfair onto the supplicant chambers, um, where all the supplicants are locked in their own pod, floating in uh, a fluid and appear to be dreaming. Um, Theron gives the word and the dreams turn into nightmares. Because as we've covered, you don't want to be a supplicant. You don't want to have any ability to look into the walk because it just hurts. Yeah, you don't, you don't really want it. And the word bearers are not the people that you want to be uh, employed by at this stage either. Although having said that, I don't think the Imperium's much better. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no. So elsewhere, Zadkiel returns to his bridge just as this storm begins. Um, initially, he's concerned that the warp is rebelling and um, Iqfalon tells him that he sus- suspects a higher power is at work as his supplicants were restless just before he started. Um, Iqfalon gets a bit of a dig in and says it looks like the overall confidence in our ability to succeed must be faltering. Um, and Zadkiel says, do you think that Corferon is behind this? And Iqfalon says, yeah, it's most likely. Um, and Zadkiel already knows because he's jealous and suspects that Tenebron is behind this, trying to claim glory that doesn't belong to him. Um, and he orders the Furious Abyss to move on to McCrag and let's leave the raffle to the power of the warp. Um, so you don't even need to be on his ship and he doesn't like you. Like, yeah, that, no, no, no. Not popular dude, is he? He's, yeah, he's, he's uh, well, it's all of them, right? They're, they all seem to be a little bit like uh, behind themselves, you know, uh, against themselves a little bit. But yeah, yeah. Zadkiel in particular seems to be, his, his ambition definitely, I would say to a degree, blinds him um, yeah. because he's he's very focused on what everyone else is up to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Cestus was heading to the bridge when the storm broke and he was thrown into a wall. Um, he's able to keep going as debris and chaos ensues all around him. He gets through the blast doors and sees um, the Helm's mistress, Venkmeyer, frantically shouting orders, trying to maintain control of the ship. Kaminska is yelling at the Vox to the navigator, telling him to avoid the storm. But he says, it's too late. We're well into it already. Um, and Sister says that we can either push through this or wait to be torn apart. Kaminska snaps to it and orders full power ahead and really takes on like mad pirate captain here screaming, let's teach the warp to fear us. And onwards they go. Um, awesome scenes on board, like absolute chaos. You can just imagine it all exploding around her as they're doing that. I bet it would look cool. Yeah, it, w- it would be a very cool visual because, like, they're they're going headlong into the warp now, and uh, like in, through a, not not just the warp, but through this warp storm, mm. and like, um, she's she's obviously gritting her teeth against it. Say, so let's let's teach the warp to you know fear us, but at the same time, all of the deck hands, all of the the, the kind of the gangers and stuff like that, on all, all the decks below the deck orderlies and all these people, the deck ratings—that's what they call them. Right, they're they're not. <laughs> they're not enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, she knows this kind of, she's holding on to like something, screaming, yeah. let's go. And, her teeth. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got Doris is scrubbing the floor downstairs somewhere, it's just been slammed through a window. Slammed through a window, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 mind screwed by demons. <laughs> like, that's what's coming for him. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. She was going to retire anyway. What's she got to lose? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, exactly. But well, you can't even be a cleaner on these ships. It sucks. No, it's not. It's not. An, it's not a nice experience. <laughs> um, well, so 
Uh, Motep, he's um, still in isolation and meditating, and he feels the change in the warp and the storms are getting heavier. He can feel something chlorine in his consciousness. Um, he allows himself to float out of his body and look around in horror uh, at the image of thousands of guns opening fire. He tries to get back to his body, but the warp sees him and wants his sanity. Um, suddenly, he's knelt before a black throne and hears the howling of wolves. Um, he's able to overcome this and snap out of it uh, and wakes up laying on the floor, re- realising um, that he was not being driven into madness, but being led towards temptation. Mm. Um, Zadkill is feeling smug with himself, as he has done for most of this book. Um, and for some reason, he decides, yep, the raffle has been destroyed and we're going to move on and forget about it. Um, Iqfalon says, should we confirm it's destroyed? And he says, no, thanks. Let's go. <laughs> uh, doing his job there. Um, and that will take us into chapter 17. Strategy, out of the warp, and Formasca in sight. Yeah. So, warp storm. We know what happened the last time. Sesters and his men are patrolling the raffle, um, looking for demons and avoiding looking into the warp themselves. Yeah. Uh, and making sure like there's no warp spawn on board. Um, they can hear the screaming of men being driven mad and they stomp out any corruption that they find. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he is hoping, uh, cause I think there's a point as Sester says, he's, he's hoping that just the, the sight of the Astartes amongst the, 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 the crew will help limit some of the, some of the warp madness. Yeah. Um, but obviously it only limits it to a certain extent. And, some of the Astartes even find themselves a bit, a bit in bother. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, like they're they're trying to avoid it um, the best they can. Um, and oh, like you say, yeah. So sorry, um, like you say, they're not even protected completely. And Cestus himself has like images of Emperor sat on the golden throne, um, but then. Sees like weird images he can't explain of like the throne uh, burning and crumbling and and, like something not quite right with it Um, and snaps out of it, encouraging his men forward. Um, Eventually they break through the storm into calm space and he orders recovery and medical teams um, into action and tells Kaminska to join the rest of the Astartes in the conference chamber. Uh, Within half an hour, they all um, arrive um, and, Bringar is sat with the ump down at one end, um, <laughs> probably getting off that hangover. Um, Cestus tells them that it's clear that the word bearers are in uh, league with the warp and they are truly powerful, but we do have a slim chance of success. Um, he tells them that he's learned the plans of the word bearers and Bringar scowls knowing how he found this out. And the fact that Motem isn't present um, speaks volumes yeah. to that. Uh, he tells them that the Furious Abyss is going to destroy the moon for Masca so that the hidden Wordbearer fleet can hide behind the rubble um, and use meteors and comets and stuff um, and chunks of broken moon to get to the planet's surface, um, avoiding the worst of the planetary defences. Um, and Bringer asks how he hopes to stop this attack. Um, and Cestus says this will require this will require all of our skills, discipline, dial, and timing, but most of all, sacrifice. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so the Furious Abyss has exited the warp into real space on the edge of the ultramarine territory. Um, shoals of warp predators come with it, but without the warp to sustain them, they were ripped inside out and sent back to the warp. The, se- the sudden activity set off every warning system on the crag, um, and the Furious Abyss ignores all requests to identify itself. Zadkill orders the weapon master to load the first wave of cyclonic weapons ready to fire at Formasca. Um, he's staring out McCrag, still feeling smug, and talking to the Magos uh, from the Mechanicum, who tells him that uh, the warp disturbed Balanos, who's still being worked on after the yeah. um, fatal wound from the back of docks. Uh, and Zadkill says, see that this doesn't happen again. He needs to be ready um, as he will be used for the planetary assault. Um, Corferon arrives on the Vox and says the fleet is now in, pos- in position and we're waiting for your mark um, and with that Iqfalon steps forward and says that the su- supplicants have detected the raffle emerge from the warp um, Corferon snarls and tells them to sort it out uh, so smugness levels are slightly uh, dwindling now yep. um, and Zadkil uh, demands the weapons master how much longer until we can fire these weapons uh, and he says there are issues with the torpedo tubes and we're going to need some time. Smugglers levels going down again. Um, and Zadkill then gets told that the raffle is coming about, making ready to attack. Um, looking into a view screen, he sees the raffle coming towards them, um, one side with all guns intact and a huge stream of debris falling away from it. Um, with this, he decides to give them the honourable death they've been chasing after all. And the raffle opens fire with all it has, but only causes minor damage. Uh, and then the Abyss answers back, full power, smashing through the raffle and killing the ship. Um, but they did not roll a six and the ship did not explode. So, but it's dead. Um, the battle was short-lived. It's, yeah, it's, it's drifting, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's uh, getting, it's not quite there yet, but it's going to get sucked into the uh, Formasca's gravity. Yeah, a bit like the um, waning moon from earlier on. Exactly. Um, so this battle was short-lived and Zadkill was watching the raffle fall away from them. And now he's satisfied um, until, again, he's told that they've detected 15 shuttles coming towards him within the wreckage. Realising what's going on, he orders the torpedo tubes to be closed. So that's chapter 18, uh, Gauntlet, Infiltration and Dark Dreams. And this is the start of the boarding. So- I was going to say, that, that that's quite a... Uh- Although it might be Gauntlet that that describes it, actually, it might be this bit. But that, that it's quite a cool sequence where the uh, the shuttles, obviously, not designed for they're not drop pods. No, so they're they're getting a lot of um, buffeting by incoming fire, but they're they're too close for the I think it's thermal lances. Um, so yeah. it's just like effectively heavy bolters and, and like las cannons that are that are firing at them. Yeah, um, and it's quite you know a good. It's a definitely a good sequence as they're hurtling towards and you've got, you know, some of them are just populated by deckhands and then sort of standard <laughs> troopers and they're just getting blown apart and drifting into the in into the coldness of space. You've got um, a couple of different one, ultramarines also split up as well as Cestus's one, which is yep. which is heading straight towards a uh, rapidly closing torpedo tube. Yep. You've got Bringar and the... Um, uh, the blood claws, and he's 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 just 
well up for it. He can't wait. This is what he's been waiting for, for a yeah. whole book. That's all he's, he's wanted to do. He's, he's banging on about, you know, can you hear it, lads? Mother Fenris is calling you, and all the blood claws are getting pumped to... Yeah. To, to get in there and cause, and just as they get, just as they get there, just as they're getting towards their their target, uh, they take a load of fire and just dip down and like miss the um, miss spiral the torpedo out, tube and yeah, spiral into another part of the ship. And we're like, what's happened? Are they? And is that it? Is that are we done? Is Bringar? Was that the? Uh, was that Mother Fenris just taking them out? But <laughs> all very exciting. So we have to wait yeah. and see what happens there. Yeah. But Festus. Um, Luckily, um, you know, a bit of plot armor. He does get oh, yeah. the, he does get to where he needs to get to. But you know, of course, he was going to. You need that. You need that to happen. Um, yeah. But that, that entire sequence of, and I'm assuming that is the gauntlet part. But that That's, entire sequence yeah. is 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 really cool. So, like I say, um, plot armor. Cestus is obviously pays to be in his shuttle um, because he's got uh, three guys with him. Uh, Lexnor, Pyteron, and Exilionor, uh, mm-hmm. and they're quietly saying their overs of moment. Like you say, he's looking out the window, um, sees um, all the torpedo tubes that they're going for closing, and sees one of the shuttles crash into a closed hatch, and then we see the bodies of Safrax and Armrix float out into space, and he's, like, absolutely dismayed. Like, that's, like I mean... Uh, uh, one space marine is the equivalent to how many men? Fifty men more? Uh, yes, uh, I think. Mean, yeah, so that, that 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 ballpark, right? Yeah, he's just lost like a small army with those two dudes. Um, and like you say, <laughs> sees the um, space wolves just whiz out of sight, completely miss the target. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Like th- this has gone terribly. And there's obviously the bodies of the people we don't care about floating about, or the, yeah. just the bodies they packed into the others. Uh, um, so no time to sort of think about it. His shuttle flies straight through um, the right target, impacts the torpedo decks, and without hesitation, his crew jump into action. Um, Cestus ha- has his pistol and his sword. Two of the Marines have bolters, and the other has a plasma gun, and they all have a ton of explosives with them. Um, yep. which, and the mission is destroy and disable the cyclonic torpedoes uh, and weaponry. Um, they know they can't destroy the ship, but if they can destroy this weapon system, that's what is going to be used to destroy Formasca. So let's stop that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the, as I said, it's, it's hinted at a little bit, I think, and I'm, I'm not jumping ahead again. Obviously, at this point, Cestus knows his way round uh, because uh, Motep has has helped him out. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And then someone else will find that out later and not be too. They impressed. will. Yeah, they won't be too impressed. <laughs> I, I wonder who that could be. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, but we don't know. We don't. We don't know if he's alive. Well, um, I don't know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you imagine though? We're jumping ahead. Imagine if that's how he went out. <laughs> imagine oh, that. Just... <laughs> thing is he's given that you could see it in the, the shuttle with Bringar giving it the big one like can you hear it lads and all of these little like well I say little they're going to be massive but all of these blood claws yeah. like just pumped and ready to go and then <laughs> they just hit the side of a ship that's it just like and just see a big wiper come on and get rid of them yeah that's it that's it that, that would be quite funny um, <laughs> anyway so these guys the, the ultramarines they jump into action and anybody that is out of their shuttle just gets 
annihilated. They're shooting anybody that moves um, and getting as far as they can before any further starties um, from the word bearers arrive. Um, Sestas takes a moment thinking of the correct tactics and almost misses the attack of um, the weapons master leaping at him with a power mace. Um, this guy screams, quail before the might of the word, and spits at him. Sestus aims his pistol into his face, but it, it's smashed out of his hand. Lorgar will lead us to victory, he shouts, um, bringing back his weapon high above his head, ready to strike Sestus. Uh, and Sestus swings out of the way and brings his sword down, um, splitting this guy's skull clean in two. Um, and with a snarl, pulls the sword out and says, no, that Gilliman is righteous. Uh, and kicks this guy's dead body to the floor. Um, Zadkil orders the torpedoes to fire, but is told they can't while the bay is contested. Um, he calls uh, off the hunt for Skrull and mm-hmm. orders everybody to deal with the Ultramarines. Um, he tells Ikfalon um, to wake the supplicants. They will not need them now that they've arrived at the destination and gives a final silent orders um, towards the sleeping mutants. Um, the Ultramarines are laying down an impressive rate of fire, cutting down anybody in their way. Um, Cestus is wondering where the Space Wolves are uh, and keeps firing until uh, Wordbearer Astartes appear on the upper gantries, forcing them into cover. Yeah. Lexical takes a ricochet to the chest, which forces him back, and another to the knee, um, taking him down. A group of armsmen start running towards this probe marine. Uh, Cestus reloads and charges them, shooting as he goes. Um, as Lexical is getting up, a round goes into a fuel bowser, engulfing him in flame and throwing him through the air and throwing Cestus backwards. Uh, so we're one ultramarine down. Mm-hmm. Um, the surviving ultramarines keep going. Uh, they reach the first set of cyclonic um, weaponry and start deploying their melter bombs. Um, Exelenor covers, uh, lays down cover and fire um, with whilst Polterian sets up the charges. Um, once he was done, he turned to confirm they were ready and takes a bullet straight through the throat. Um, Cestus takes the detonator out of his hand uh, as the guy falls down dying and tells him that we will honour him. Um, as he's doing so, he suddenly goes cold and he is screaming of a thousand voices in his head. Um, thanks to Motep's earlier invasion, he realises that this is a psycho attack and shouts out a warning. Um, as he does... Crewman from the a crewman from the abyss starts trying to rip his own tongue out, uh, and Cestus does him a favour and shoots him in the chest. Uh, turning, that he sees Excelenor raise his bolter up towards his own head. Cestus yeah. screams at him to stop, uh, and Excelsior tells him that it's the voices in his head. Uh, Cestus grabs him, and drags him through a hatch, feeling his own sanity fading. They hit the uh, detonator and feel the rush of flame as he passes out. So, psychic attack there, making yep. everybody kill themselves. Um, Pretty brutal. Yeah, indiscriminate as well. Um, oh, yeah. But, of, of course, for, for Zadkiel, like, you know, he's got, he doesn't care. Like, it's uh, use up the rest of the uh, supplicants, send out a massive psychic attack. Doesn't matter whether it kills our men or not. Like, yeah. fine. Just get yeah. rid of them. Smug levels going up. Yep. Um, so Zadkill gets a report from uh, Raskill that the explosion has destroyed a lot of the access ports to the Ordnance Bay. So we can't assess the damage yet and we don't know if the Ultramarines have survived. Um, so another squad of word bearers gets sent down um, to investigate. Um, and now he's starting to worry that he might have fucked up. Yeah. Um, and uh, he tells his men to recover whatever they can. Um, 
So Cestus is then um, transported into the version of hell that in the um, old inhabitants of McCrag believed in prior to the arrival of the Great Crusade. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting, this one, because their version of hell is not far from um, the... Uh, well, it's one of the, the, the classic books, Dante's Inferno. Mm. Um, if you've ever seen the film Seven, they talk about it a lot in there, where yeah. there are hell is is different layers different rings um yes. and i think it's i think it's seven layers i just but i can't remember entirely but effectively the mccrag myth is the same is that there's there's like a different level for different sort of levels of of, of sin so there's like a layer for rebels there's a layer yeah. for traitors there's a layer for cowards yeah um and yeah that's where cestus finds himself yeah, it's like almost so straight away he's in like the first one he's being punished for mis- making mistakes. Um, the first one being allowing a witch to stay alive on his ship, failing to warn Gilliman, sacrificing men on a foolish quest, yep. uh, allowing Antigius to go into battle in his place. Um, and Cestus is like begging and pleading um, until like something in the back of his mind tells him that it's a psychic attack. And That's then not real he finds conviction in his actions and he's like, no, everything I've done is right. They're not mistakes. I'm doing the right thing. Um, and he's able to march out of the first layer of hell. Um, I'm pretty, pretty easily that one. Um, the raffle, however, is all but dead at this point. Yeah. Um, the bridge has been secured to prevent um, the void from entering and pouring in, killing the crew. So the bridge crew are still intact Kaminska is watching as they slowly spiral towards the moon's surface, where eventually they will crash. Um, She ordered her crew into their parade uniform before the final assault, so they would go out with honour. And she turns and tells uh, Venkmeyer that she and the crew can now head to the escape pods, and she will go down with the ship. Um, Venkmeyer says that she will stay with her. Um, It's just as much her ship, and she wants to take the honour as well. Um, Kaminska at first feels annoyed at the order being dis- disobeyed, but looks, looks around and the whole crew um, are saluting her and showing her respect. Um, and they sort of all feel like how they've handled this mission. They've done the right thing. Yep. Um, they've served the Emperor's Angels um, and they've essentially, as far as they know, completed their mission. Um, suddenly, however, it goes cold and uh, Venkmeyer falls to the ground in pain. Uh, and then she then stands up holding her bolt to her head. Yeah. Um, so nice moment. Um, but we it, don't get many of those, do we? Yeah, it was a nice moment. And you're like, oh, they are going to go down with the ship. And it's like, you know, again, you get that very nautical, you know, they are a Navy. It's the Saturnine fleet. They're a crew. They're all mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, 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 t- the ship is a living thing just as much as anything else. Yeah. And like they're, they're done. And then there was a uh, string quartet in the corner playing. I was going to say they're, they're playing them out. And, <laughs> then, uh, and then, and then as that happens, obviously yeah. something is still awry. Yeah. Um, we don't know what it is yet. No, we but... know it's probably got some, it's, it's, there's warp stuff going on. There's definitely some warpiness going on. Someone um, who knows what's going on, however, is still locked in his cell. Uh, and um, he snapped out of uh, meditation, sensing that something's not right. 
He walks up to the door, um, places his palm against it and says an incantation and the door dissolves into liquid. Uh, he walks out, sees the halls are empty, pulls up his psychic resistant hood and heads towards the bridge, uh, extending his wand into a spear and it crackles with energy um, and tells him there's a phantom on board. <clears throat> As he enters the bridge, like carnage has erupted the walls have been painted with blood and gore. The ceiling is dripping uh, and there are flayed bodies and skin pinned to the walls. Um, it's gone from bad to worse. Yeah. Um, Kaminsky is sat bloodied on the floor and uh, Venkmeyer is floating above her. Uh, Kaminsky warns Moteb to leave um, and fires her pistol into Venkmeyer, who in response stretches her arm into a blade and cuts Kaminska's head off. No! I know. It's, like, it's brutal. <laughs> that come out of nowhere as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's not how she was supposed to go. No, I know. It was, uh, it's like it happened. You're like, oh, <clears throat> all right. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, not allowed to go out with a ship in, uh, in like a nice, easy manner. No, no. It just has to, has to get killed. At least it was quick, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, Moteb addresses the demon within Venkmeyer and tells it to come out um, and he says that I am a servant of the Crimson Eye and I demand you leave this body uh, Venkmeyer's mouth opens a spray of gore and blood spew all over Moteb in return um, suddenly the spine snaps and tears free of the body the ribs snap um, and essentially the thing turns inside out swells yeah. up bones on the outside yeah um and the fingers and toes turning into large um talons uh and a feature featureless bulbous head sprouts horns uh and a massive slash across his face opens into a mouth and uh, a thick black coating of muscle seals the body um and motep recognized this demon to be zorik um zorik had been on this ship for weeks feasting on souls spurring on the madness within, tormenting Bringar and fanning the flames of distrust aboard the ship. Uh, And now it's strong enough. It's made its presence known on the bridge. Um, It says, I am gorged, but there is always room for more. Um, And with a killer line, Motem simply says, feeding time is over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yep. and, and this is what we've been waiting for. Like they saved all the good lines for the last part of the book. Yeah, like... I, I think yeah, I think that's fair, right? They they, yeah. they you know they do. There's, as I said, there's there's a few different there's a few that, that are a bit different bits and pieces, but it is it is it is a good end, right? Yeah. It's, it's, as as we ramp up towards it. But I think it's interesting just to like say that obviously like space wolves and thousand suns aren't friends anyway. No, and there was that distrust. But now knowing that Zorik's been on board, fanning the flames of all of this, you want to know, yeah. like, if he hadn't been involved, would Bringo have got to the point of going, okay, like, you, you might I don't never, like you, but I get it. You might never have got the honour, Joel. Yeah. Like, it was definitely, as it said, because the demon, Zorik says himself, like, he says, like, to Motep, like, it's been really easy to, to sow division and yeah. uh, put, you know, put you make you face up against each other you've got no hope like yeah. the, the 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 time of the imperium the time of mankind is is falling you know you lot can barely hold yourselves apart i didn't have to do anything really yeah 
just yeah. pointed out the obvious you don't like him do you yeah what's, what's saying about it yeah so it's, it's interesting just to know like where where we would have found them yeah yeah absolutely um well anyway so poor Cestus uh he wakes up he's walked out of that first level of hell uh, and then wakes up strapped to a torture rack um this layer of hell is reserved for traitors um he's been so stretched that he's got broken bones um and he looks around and sees Antigis laying on a rack beside him yeah um and they are all suffering because of Cestus's disobedience because they left terror on a glory mission of his own making before um Antigis disappears again and leave him with that uh, Cestus declares that he's loyal and his actions were honourable to save the Legion. He doesn't belong here and I defy this fake hell. Um, his chest is ripped open um, and he tells the spirits that he defies them as he passes out. It's pretty brutal. Again, like, <laughs> yeah. they're all they're all getting twisted round and it's, it's like something out of Saw. Um, yeah. Like, and you know, he's being cracked, his spine's breaking and it's, it's I think it's the point where I think it says like his ribs break open, like because he's he's because he's a marine. He's got like yeah. a he's got all his ribs are fused anyway, yeah. and it's kind of like they shatter and split, and then he kind of like that, that wakes up in the next layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we go on to chapter nineteen now. Pack mentality, Zorik, and reunion. Mm. So those that were wondering, no. Bringard did not die. He wasn't splattered against the wall. However, um, we are going to join him now as he's stalking around on all fours among the steaming carcasses of a pack. He looks out into the snowy Fenrisian plains, knowing that they had challenged him and he had triumphed. His ears pick up and he smells the scent of another wolf stalking him from above the mountains. Um, He lets out a howl. And a second wolf comes into view, smaller than he is, but lean and nothing but raw muscle. Um, these guys circle each other and Bringar, still tasting flesh from the others he killed, um, this set, sets his senses on fire. He leaps at the other wolf, taking him off balance with a furious blow. Um, <clears throat> then they're both biting and clawing one another. Uh, the younger wolf lashes out, getting a good strike. But Bringar ignores it and is able to bite down on the back of this guy's neck, squeezing until he feels um, it squirm in desperation, until warm blood fills his mouth and he's able to finally snap the young wolf's neck. He stands in glory, howls loudly and lets the blood flow from his mouth. Um, He was about to lope off into the snow until a large dark shadow appears, belonging to a black wolf twice the size of him. Look around you, the wolf said. This is not. Fenris, uh, do you want to do this bit? Brutal. I know that you like this. It's brutal. So, <laughs> like, obviously, the bit before, it's it like the first time I, I, I kind of um, the, the first time I read it, it was um, I take took it on face value because I've read it twice now. So I took it on face value, and you're like, okay, so he's having this vision, he's having this mentality, he's on Fenris, he's seeing himself as a wolf. Oh, this is quite cool. And you hear the description of the. So that obviously he's fought off these other wolves, and you're like, okay, all right, fair enough. And then you hear this description of the the uh, the other wolf that comes along, and it's like he's old and grey, it's young, and like has got like um like a brownie golden coat, and then it mm-hmm. says, oh, and it's got it's got like bloody claws, and you don't put I didn't put one and one together at that point. I li- yeah. re-listening to it, today, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I should have probably picked up on that. 
and as you go through, obviously this 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 black wolf, who's clearly, you know, a demonic entity or part of the warp for, for yeah. the warp mind, you know, the the psycho attack from the, the supplicants. Bringar comes to his dream ends, and he he, he realizes he's he's on uh, the furious abyss, and he can taste copper a copper taste in his mouth you know it's like when you bite your tongue or yeah. you know you, you, your gums you know you bleed or whatever and you get that copper taste of blood and he looks around and he sees all of the blood claws like dead around him throats ripped out and he knows he knows that he's he's done it and he's killed him and like for him that must be such a gut punch yeah because not only is he killed like marines and space wolves they're also the ones you know they're the young warriors that were under his charge like he's a wolf guard this is you know this is this is this is this is hard to hard yeah. to take and obviously as a space wolf fan it's like oh my god that's devastating like god bring god how, how you know and at this point like he, he you know there's no way out for bring god now like no. he, he, he will never ever be able to go back to Fenris. He'll never be able to go back to the chapter. Whatever happens, this is a one-way ride for him now. Because even even if he could like um, rectify it in his head and say, "Oh well, you know, it was a psychic attack. It was a psyker. It wasn't my fault." There's no way he can live with it. No. Like he looks around. All of the blood claws are dead by his hand. Bad news. If, even if, though, even though those blood claws were probably, you know, they they were probably, you know, in having the same warp madness as well, and would have killed him. Yeah. It. It's just. It doesn't matter. It. It. You know, for him, that's it. It's. It's the end. It's the end of the road now. He's been the worst thing that could ever happen to him. Is is probably this. Yeah. Um, and so he's like, he sees it, realizes the horror. And like it almost then steals himself to go like right well now I've got to I've got to I've got to take the ship out otherwise there is no redemption. Yeah, basically they're like his sons at this point, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that last that last wolf was um, uh, Ru- uh, Ru- Rougeveld, who was yeah. the who's been the the blood claw that has been is is the one that's been mentioned all throughout. He's the one. He's the only blood claw with a name, isn't he? Yeah. He was the one that was guarding the um, Motep. Uh, the uh, no, guarding oh, the word um, bearer. Oh, that's the one, yeah. Um, guarding the word bearer and was uh, spoken to the to the ultramarines and stuff like that. And so this is this is you know this is right. Yeah. This is a real gut punch for uh, for, for for Bringar. Mm. Very very sad times. Yeah. And listening to it a second time today, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sucks for him. Um, and uh, he he snap he snaps to it pretty quickly. Realizes what's gone on, and he even knows that he was tricked by witchcraft. Yeah, uh, and he's and that just like tenfold his anger goes up because he's been tricked by the thing he hates the most to kill something that he loves the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he looks around, realizing that he's standing within an armory. Uh, turns around and finds finds himself face to face with a suit of dreadnought armor. Oh, of course, there's there's loads of dreadnoughts, isn't there? Yeah. Here, but they're like they're they're not all they're active, empty. and some of them are just empty suits. Like yeah. 
but yeah, 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 there's one in particular. Yeah. Um, so it's so, like, yeah, he, he's, he turns around face to face with that. I think gives him a bit of pause until he realizes, oh no, there's nothing in there. Uh, and then he hears, his ears prick up as he hears something and a shadow enters the room, realizing that it's metallic. He recognizes that it's from the Mechanicum. Um, this Magos turns around, noticing that Ringar's charging at him. Um, and unfortunately, um, can't react and Bringar destroys it. Like, it takes out all this rage that he's had. Mm. Like this, um, I hope that the admin don't feel pain because um, he probably got dismembered quite brutally. Yeah, I would have thought so. Although actually, he's a traitor, so maybe I do hope he feels pain. I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know who the good guys are in this, in, in this, <laughs> this particular uh, scenario, yeah. yeah. Um, so... With that done, before he gets to leave, he hears some hissing from down the other end uh, and machinery uh, disengaging, turning. He sees that a dreadnought is now coming to life um, and the sarcophagus is actually still open and one of its arms are missing. Um, And as it's sort of coming online through a scratchy box, it says, I serve my legion eternally. Um, and uh, as it's trying to walk, it's still finding its bearings and is a bit a bit wobbly. Yeah. Um, and it and it says, "My enemy, Altis, must die." Um, before it stops in confusion, uh, refocusing on um, Bringar, and then it says, "You will not take this ship." Um, and Bringar is able to recognise this marine because he's already had one fight with this guy already from the yeah. docks. Um, and he says, "Didn't I kill you already?" And the dreadnought charges, and uh, Ringar whispers round two, hoping that his axe will be good enough to uh, penetrate the dreadnought armor. Um, so that's uh, sort of the secret of um, what's been going on with Balanos the last uh, couple of chapters. Yeah. Um, fatally wounded, but he will serve in death um, as a dreadnought. Um, so, Motep. He's still on um, fighting in the bridge of the raffle and he gets slammed so fiercely through a blast door um, that he has to dig his fingers into the wall to slow himself uh, from falling. Uh, and it's just rip- ripping the walls apart with his bare hands. Um, he's got these three huge claw marks on his chest uh, and his face paint is melting with the heat of demon's breath yeah. uh, and has to tear it off as he's falling. Uh, and then he slams into a wall and crumples to the ground. Uh, Zorik comes into the corridor and they march towards each other. As they are, Motep notices some small cracks on the demon's armour and takes that meaning that this thing can be hurt. Um, With that, he uses his spear to hurl purple psychic energy at Zorik, um, but Zorik is able to deflect it easily. Um, Although Zorik is quite surprised that Motep's still standing uh, and compares him to like, this, this is unusual. The rest of the humans I've been able to kill quite easily. Mm. Um, and Motep says that I'm not just a human and proudly tells him that he is Astartes, an avenging angel of the Emperor. Um, and Zorik tells him, I am your doom. And Motep says, no, I am yours. Another good line. Um, uh, Zorik, get, Motep gets a really good showing. This, yeah, he does. Oh. He does. He's very, um, maybe very stallone I think mm. I, I picture him. That's 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 fair. I say I've got one of the problems with the audio books is is you get various you get the depictions of um, 
uh, like the, the 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 voice actor that does it oh. all. And so, yeah, the the accent that I've got in my head that the the voice actor used is not Stallone. No, not. <laughs> I, could, I could imagine Stallone trying to do this accent, and then it just breaks the <laughs> illusion entirely. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's still good. It's still yeah. very good. Um, so, um, so where was we? Uh, um, so Zorik lashes out and misses. Um, Stallone ducks under. Oh, sorry, Motep ducks under with his spear and jams it into his side uh, and ignites the crimson fire into the wound. Um, stepping back, he tells the demon that he has failed and he will send it back to the wall. Uh, Zorik tells him that he knows nothing and the wound heals itself. Mm. Um, which like that's gutting for Moteb. Um, you don't know what you're dealing with, and sends a vision into his mind of Prospero on fire and the howling of wolves back into his mind. Um, Moteb steadies himself, and Zorik laughs before raising his arm uh, and one of his hands ripping open and turning it in on itself, um, revealing a dripping orifice, um, and fires a bolt of purple fire at Moteb, which hits him in the shoulder, sending him flying backwards. Uh, Motep gets up quickly and evades some more blasts uh, and fires back a boiling mass of crimson fire which hits uh, Zorik um, and seals this wound closed um, Motep tells him that the word bearers will fail uh, the emperor will know that he is betrayed and Lorgar will not escape justice um, and Zorik tells him that he doesn't care about Lorgar and his dogs they're just a tool being used for the ancient one's grand plan and they will all become slaves. Um, they clash again. Motep's spear going in through uh, Zorik's side, and Zorik smashing into him, smashing him into a wall. Um, and they're, they're fighting for a bit. And um, Motep um, tells him that knowledge is power, and twin beams of light burst from his eyes, covering Zorik in flame, uh, causing it to recoil, lose his grip on Motep, um, and. Motep rams his spear through Zorik's neck uh, and they fall down together. Motep pushes away, trying to create a psychic shield. And uh, with that, Zorik is furious with rage, comes back and smashing through this shield as if it was paper. Mm. Um, so interesting sort of line from uh, Zorik then saying that he doesn't care. Um, the ancient ones have got a plan and everyone's going to be a slave. So, um, I mean, it's the, uh, the arch the arch uh, plan of, of chaos, right? The, yeah. the, the, you know, there is, it's, it's almost like there, there is no plan, right? There is no higher, they only use humanity and our, um, our need for power over each other yeah. to, to drive us forward. Um, they, you know, they don't care about any of that. They're, they're just after <laughs> chaos. Yep. They just want um, various trinkets whether it's emotions or skulls or blood mm-hmm. or whatever it is yeah so yeah i mean motive's not gonna be able to do much with that information at this point anyway um but the secret's no. out for the rest of us if you hadn't worked it out already i guess um so cestus has gone through um his many trials and wakes up in the final layer of hell um still feeling pain from being ripped apart in the previous circles um, he's now standing on a rock and he looks around and sees there are um, an infinite amount of spikes on the walls, um, each with a traitor 
to McCrag and piled upon one. Mm-hmm. Um, a taskmaster stands next to him, telling him um, he has as many circles of sin within him as hell itself. And Sestus tells him that he's not a traitor. Um, and the taskmaster says that neither are any of the others, but they think they are. And their sin is arrogance rather than treachery. They thought they had the capacity to betray their brothers, but nothing more than petty thieves or killers. Um, and tells Cestus that it takes rare but real power to truly betray a brother. And these are people that they think they've been able to do it are fouler than anything else. And again and again, Cestus repeats that he's not a traitor. He's never turned on his brothers and everything that he's doing is correct. Um, but the taskmaster talks over him as if Cestus isn't there and says, you are an Astartes with all the power and brutality that that brings. You're a murderer too, given all the people and Xenos you've killed. Do you truly believe that um, not one of them could be undeserving of their fate? So even this um, make-believe hell demon spawn taskmaster knows that Astartes are not the good guys. <laughs> They're just killing everyone. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, uh, yeah, definitely letting them know. Yeah. Um, so, and he tells him, like, think of those sins and then think of this latest mission, which you've now died fighting for. You've led a whole fleet to destruction, allowing Battle Brothers to die in vain, um, protected a psyker, even though it breached the Council of Nikea. Um, all this to fight with your own brothers. Um, and Cestus won't accept this and tells him, um, this is not real. I am not dead and this is not hell. And um, the taskmaster says, well, how can you be sure? Um, and he says, I may be guilty of everything you have said. I have led men to their deaths, killed and maimed and turned on fellow Astartes, but I'm not a traitor. And with that, he steps off the ledge and falls through the abyss, through the last hell. Um, and then he lands with real pain back on the furious abyss. Somehow he's escaped. Um, and as he comes to, he realises where he is and feels like maybe hell would have been better than this. Um, he finds um, Exilianor laying dead next to him. Um, clearly this guy was not able to shake off the psychic fever dream um, and his um, brain has shut down. Um, yeah. He lays his brother down, crosses his arms against his sword in an honour salute um, and moves on, leaving him behind as his own armour starts to dispense painkillers. Um, so not really knowing where he is, he keeps, he keeps going through what appear to be barracks uh, and into a place of worship, horrified of what he is seeing. Um, this is completely the opposite of what the Great Crusade stands for and everything that he's done for however many dozens and hundreds of years um, on one wall were thousands of fingers pinned next to an image of the crewmen mutilating themselves in the name of Lorgar. Yeah. Um, startled by voices and footsteps, he darts into cover, drawing his bolt pistol as a squad of five word bearers come in following the trail of blood. Um, two of them get sent inside the barracks and three remain outside. Cestus takes two out with frag grenades. Uh, sorry. Cestus takes out two frag grenades, activates them and rolls them across the floor. Um, one of the Astartes reacts to the noise, swinging his gun around. But before he can do anything, a frag goes off, ripping off his helmet. Uh, and a second goes off by the other one, ripping his legs off. Um, Cestus dives out, shooting the first guy through his unprotected faceplate. 
Um, and then the third word bearer goes to fire his melter gun at Cestus. But he's so disorientated by the explosion that um, he accidentally hits the legless word bearer who's falling and kills him instead. Uh, before he can fire again, Cestus hits him with rounds in the arm uh, and chest, send him back. And then Cestus brings around his sword, taking off the third guy's head. Uh, pretty, pretty swift justice there. Yeah, pretty, pretty brutal as 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 we've come to come to expect at this 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 point in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, he moves off towards the barracks. Uh, one of the word bearers who was inside runs out uh, and for his troubles gets a face full of bolter for his effort. Um, the final word bearer um, used some cover to lay down fire, uh, making Cestus pin himself against the wall, rounds ricocheting off his pauldron, sending a chip of metal up into his face. Um, this causes him to bite back a scream of pain. So he activates his power sword and the word bearer emerges uh, out into the open in order to shoot and finish him off. Instead, Cestus just throws his sword right at him, hitting him in the chest. Before he can react, Cestus is on top of him, kicks the gun away and forces the power sword up through the word bearer's head. Um, awesome shot, mate. Uh, an active chainsaw hitting you in the chest and then being forced upwards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cestus is, uh, he's in, uh, you know, he's in, he's, he's in God mode, a uh, beast mode. Yeah, he's yeah. in beast mode right now. He is not, um, he's not mucking around. No. And I, with like, obviously how tough a start is are, I bet that the, the sword going into his chest didn't kill him and he probably felt it all the way up until it hit him in the face. Yeah. Uh, that, that sucks. <laughs> I, I, the, the word bearers are not coming off particularly well. I mean, they haven't come off particularly well in this book anyway. No. In terms of them as um, Marines uh, compared to, to the other chapters. But I mean, they are now getting a proper panning. Yeah. They're quite bumbling, aren't they? Yeah, I don't... The, I, the trouble is, part of me is like, oh, well, you know, it's it's this this book um, doesn't, doesn't put them in a good light. But then having said that, knowing, you know, what I know from other books as well i don't they're not particularly good <laughs> they're just not good <laughs> like, but there no there, there there are word bearers that are that, that are that are better and are more starty like but yeah. this, this this crew yeah i don't know where corfair and founded but they're uh they're, they're a bunch of jokers <laughs> yeah um well maybe that's why they've been sent off on their own it might be yeah all right it was just like, well, we've got to let him do something. <laughs> um, so Cestus has to pour out a chunk of ceramite out of his face um, and then plugs on towards the armory. Um, elsewhere, Bringard dives out of the way of a power hammer as it smashes into the floor. And all he can do is watch um, as uh, Elinos wrenches out of the ground, ready to strike again. He almost gets hit by a second um, blow, Um but is able to sort of dodge that as well. Um, and okay. Uh, and, and then uh, the dread turns towards him, rams its shoulder powerfully into him, sending him flying. Um, and Feltuf gets left behind, stuck into the armor of the dread. Yeah. Um, he lands, pulls his knife out, and runs back towards the dread. Um, this um, dreadnought was in a bit of confusion at first and has been very slow. But the more this fight goes on, the more its muscle memory is kicking in and realizing like the power that it actually has. Yeah. Um, Bringar realizes that he's probably not going to win um, and pre- 
prepares himself for death and, and sort of laughs um, as this dread turns towards him and comes down to uh, put the death blow on him. Um, a shot rings out, um, hitting the dread, uh, making it rock back um, and snap into reality. Bringer charges forwards without thinking, pulling his sword free of the armour, slashing at the blister containing the injured word bearer, uh, slicing it open as a second shot rings out, which hits uh, Balanos in the chest. Dread then falls backwards onto the ground and uh, Bringar goes to town and hacks the body with his axe until there's nothing left but um, a bloody pile of gore um, <laughs> and spits it and says, come back from that. Um, he turns around and sees Scrow emerge from the shadows and approach Bringar, um, who turns towards him and says, I thought you were dead, and then collapses. Oh, hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Lucky bit back up there and bit of reunion then. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's it's, it's it's a it's a nice nice point. Like as I said, Bringar's giving it his all against this this dread that uh, we're given a bit. What I like about it is we're given a bit of a um, Balanos's like his brain when he died. It's like Altus must die, which yeah. is what his orders were on Backer, and then he gets killed. Yeah. And then he's, you know, he's, he's, he's working out where he is. He, he's probably coming to the realisation that he's, you know, he's obviously he's in the Strednaught, but he's not fully interred yet because as the battle goes on, like the chamber door uh, swings open and that's what exposes the uh, the amniotic sac that is, uh, his crippled body is in, um, allowing Bringar to win. And I also like the bit where, where Feltooth gets stuck. And Bringar's like he pulls out his knife, which is has got a really good description about how sharp it is. Yeah. Like it's it, you know, it can cut through ceramite. Unfortunately, its reach is appalling because <laughs> it's just a knife and it's yeah. like it's not really gonna do much. Yeah. And it's it's own it's only scroll coming along that really helps helps out. Yeah. He's gonna maybe he's just gonna poke some holes in it. Yeah. Hope for yeah. the best. Um yeah. But yep, yeah, so not bad. To, to take down half, I suppose it was only half a dreadnought anyway, but uh, yeah, yeah, they got lucky there. They did. Um, so back on the raffle, uh, Motep, unfortunately, he's um, having a great time, um, still fighting Zorik, um, and they're fighting around what's left of this dying ship. Um, Motep's been able to um, get his breath back and is relocating one of his shoulders um, after Zorik chokeslammed him through the floor, sending him through a couple of decks. Um, he um, has got cracked ribs and a punctured lung at least, um, mm-hmm. and um, another number of injuries. He can't quite see where Zorik is, but he can hear him talking. Uh, and Zorik's telling him that he shouldn't have resisted. Um, he turned his brothers against him and showed him the way, um, but you resisted, and that was a mistake. Um, and like you said earlier, like he tells him how easy it was and gloats at him, how easy it was to turn Bringar against him um, and how easy it was because of that for Cestus to then abandon him. Um, Motep starts like trying to take himself under control, monitors his breathing as he can feel a leak in the hole and oxygen is seeping away. Um, and using his sight, he casts his eye about and detects uh, the red and angry life flow of Zorik. Catching him off guard, he throws his spear, taking Zorik in the neck and leaps at him. Um, but as he's about to make contact, Zorik snaps the spear in half, ripping the wound in his neck, uh, making it bigger, and then vomits a barrage of bone fragments at Motep, uh, a sharp piece 
piercing his armour uh, and digging into his leg, making him fall back in agony. Uh, he grabs at the spear, ripping it out and thrusting it back into the demon's shoulder. And with that, the floor gives way and they both plummet down into the darkness. Um, Bringar comes back around um, and asks Scrow how long he was out for, um, which was just a few minutes. Uh, and he's actually glad to see Scrow, whose armour's dented and burnt and like just a complete mess. Uh, and Scrow tells him that they need to hurry uh, as the word bearers will find find them. Um, he thinks he's been in hiding for a few weeks, but he's not quite sure how long it's been. Yeah. Um, and Scrow starts towards a lightened corridor uh, and Bringar asks him where it leads to. And Scrow says it leads to the engine decks. Um, but Bringar says, no, we need to get to the ordnance deck, not the engines. Um, and then he sort of questions it and says, well, how do you know actually where you're going? Um, and a voice from the shadows speaks up and says, he knows because I told him. And Cestus steps out of the shadow and Bringar growls at him. Uh, Cestus tells him that plan A is no longer viable and they only have one option left. They must destroy the, the ship. Um, so it's a bit strange though. Like um, Bringar comes round, finds Scrow, who tells him that he's been wandering around this ship for a couple of weeks. What he feels like is two weeks. Yeah. He doesn't know it's like, been two weeks. Yeah. But then he's like, well, how do you know where you're going? Well, the guy's been on the ship for like a lot, lo- even if he's only been there like a day, he's been there a lot longer than Bringar. So he's probably got yeah. more of an idea than, than that. Um, I just thought it was a bit of a weird sort of thing for them to put in. Like, well, I think, I think the reason they're putting it in is because they've got the, um, I think what they were, what, well, I don't know. I might have read into it wrong. But I think the, the point is that I told him, Cestus, I told him. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely think, for the reveal, definitely. It's, it's for the, for, but yeah. not for the reveal of Cestus, but also for the reveal that, you know, Cestus has told him with mind powers. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's like, obviously, then at this point, Bringar's like, well, he's a witch as well. Yeah. Burn him, burn him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, with, with that sort of step out of the shadows, that puts us into chapter 20, uh, contention. Avenge me and immolation. We love immolation. We love that word. That's, that's my word. new favourite word. The very 40k word. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it continues straight from where what we were just saying. Um, uh, Bringar's laughing at him, saying, like, How do you expect to destroy the ship, the mightiest ship ever made, with just some explosives? Have you lost your mind as well as your honour? Um, clearly forgetting that he just killed his own men. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, it um, is a bit of a flip there, like yeah, uh, yeah, it's fine. Like, well, even before, like he wouldn't, he he didn't really take like um, not credit, didn't really take the blame for killing him. Like as soon as he realised what he'd done, he blamed warp magic. Oh no, absolutely, he, he yeah. definitely. But at the same time, he knows, like as I said, he he knows he's going to die on the ship. Now. Yeah. he's never, he's not going anywhere else. No, no. Um, like so, sisters basically tells him that. Um, they're going to use what they've got left um, to overload the engines, which will make them explode. Uh, and Bringar's furious. Like, this wasn't the plan. Um, no, you can't just change it. And Sester says, look, we never imagined any of us would live long enough to get this deep into the ship. Mm-hmm. So we were going to go for the easiest and quickest target. But now we're here. Um, things have changed. Uh, and Bringar says, um, goes into like full dickhead mode. He's like, I don't know what pact you have with the coward witch. But once we reach the engines, our pact is over. 
like, just like, just chill out, mate. Just like, get on with it. Like that's, that's it. No, he's 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 a man in his ways now. That's it. There's no, yeah. there's none of this. Um, you can't have any. It can't it can't abide the uh, the psyker or no. the witch. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so the furious abyss has fallen out of formation after the fight with the raffle, uh, and was heading back into place. Uh, the supplicants are all dead now. Um, they can't use the cloaking trick they had before um, when they first destroyed the Fist of McCrag. The Ultramarine Defence Fleet was forming up, putting them in perfect position to be destroyed once Famasco had been destroyed. Um, however, because the Ordnance deck is so heavily damaged, it's going to be some time before they can deploy the Cyclonic Payload. Um, Zadkiel's previous arrogance is now fading and he can feel control slipping out of his hands. Uh, checking the screen data, he sees that the Furious Abyss still hasn't moved uh, and he uses the Vox to contact the Magos uh, and find out what's going on. Um, after a few tries and not getting an answer, he calls on Reskill um, and tells him to go and find out. Uh, Reskill then tells him they've managed to track the en- enemy to the engine decks. Uh, and as he is given a report, Zedkill hears a huge explosion and gunfire coming from Reskill's end. Um, Zadkiel is now so angry at this point, he turns to Igfalon, who's been sat silently watching for a while, um, and tells him, you take three squads down and sort this out. And Igfalon turns around and says, no. Um, I've watched your incompetence for too long. Uh, you're disgracing the glory of Corferon and Lorgar. And uh, Igfalon pull, pulls his bolter out on Zadkiel. He tells Zadkiel to stand down. Um, Zadkiel lowers his head. Uh, and with that sign of um, obedience, Ikfalon lowers his guard and Zadkil quickly darts to the side, drawing his power sword. Um, Ikfalon fires, the shot goes wide. Uh, and before he can do anything, Zadkil slides his sword through his throat and says, do you think I would leave my bridge to a snake like you? Ikfalon tries to respond, but gurgles blood as he falls down and dies. Um, Zadkiel turns to the crewman and says, clean this mess up. I'll deal with the enemy myself. Uh, he tried. <laughs> I mean, it's very Zadkiel. <laughs> yeah. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't really expect anything different at this point, right? No. But then it's like, as much as we've sort of like ragged on him, he's a warrior and he did all right there. Like the other guy's a bit of an idiot. Like he's had this whole time, he's been watching this guy mess up step by step yeah um and he, he should have just he should have just shot him i don't know why he lowered <laughs> I mean, his that, guard that 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 is true yes yeah. he should have just again more bumbling word bearers uh pratfalls <laughs> like, you can just hear like the benny hill music playing yeah. in the background <laughs> yeah exactly that yeah um but yes that what one thing that Zadkill we don't see much of but is actually very true mm. is is he is he he's still a marine he's still a warrior yeah. right so yeah. you know that that is still very much the case yeah he got on top of him like in seconds as well like quick quick sword through the throat dropped him yeah um so yeah i mean yeah he's obviously he's in that position for a bit more than just i guess doing the right politics uh, warrior as well yeah absolutely um cool so uh Rizkill, He's feeling pleased with himself. He and his men have pinned the last loyalists down. Uh, they're at the end of a long dead-end corridor. Um, 
and he sent some of his men above to come down and fire on top of them. Um, he loses sight of the guys who've gone high and starts to worry and says to one of the other men, like, where have they gone? Uh, the word bearer says that he didn't manage to see them. I've been focused on the Space Wolf and the Ultramarine. Um, and Reskill says, well, where, where's the world here? Uh, and with that, the word bearer next to him's chest explodes in a fountain of blood. Um, and Skrull calmly says, I'm right here. Um, charging, he cuts off another word bearer's head, makes his way towards Reskill. Reskill manages to get one round off, hitting Skrull in, in the fire, but uh, Skrull buries his chain axe right into Reskill. Um, Bringar and Cestus emerge. And Bringar tells Skrull that next time he can be the bait. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very cool moment. Yeah. Um, could you imagine, like, the horror of this this lunatic just running back there? Uh, it's Skrull as well, right, who's been, like, he's, he's been, and like, they, they, they say it in a minute, but he's been in his own sort of, um, you know, for a, for a world eater to have to hide. Yeah. For however long yeah. is, is is you know it's like Chinese water torture. Like he's 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 now just just ready to unleash. Yeah. Do you ever um, do you ever play Pokemon on the Game Boy? Uh, I am. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, it's like, yes. um, so he's been using Bide. For... <laughs> That's exactly right. That is exactly yeah. it. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, so with that, they move on towards the engine bay, uh, smashing and crashing as they go and killing anyone or anything that they come across. Uh, and as a bonus, they leave a trail of booby traps and explosives. And as they're getting deeper, they enjoy the screams of explosions uh, from far behind them. The only thing they, they are, use... they are only using the frag grenades, not yeah. the melter, not the melter grenades. Yeah. They're still keeping hold of those because that's the only thing that's powerful enough to take out the engines. Uh, and Cestus knows that he is making a one-way trip. After a while, they take heavy fire from the gantries above. The word bearers are finally caught up. Zadkill watches the three Astartes dive into cover from a high vantage point, ordering one squad to stay above and keep them pinned, and the other two to go down and finish the job. Zadkill makes his way to the main reactor. Um, on the raffle, Motep, he's in a bad state. He's fallen a long way and landed in a wrecked part of the ship, full of corpses. Um, they had been sealed off during the last attack, um, but many of these were driven mad because of the damage to the ship um, and travelling the warp. He's busted up, and the only thing keeping him going is the pain. The air is getting really thin, and he knows he's dying, but he's not afraid of death. Uh, he can see Zorik further ahead, consuming the souls of those that have somehow stayed alive in the wreckage for long enough. Zorik, now repowered, turns and heads to Motep, um, who falls down as he tries to get away. Zorik tells him he will consume his soul and drain him until there is nothing left. Motep braces himself and readies what's left of his spear, holding out um, his palm and generating a purple flame. Zorik reaches out and crushes this hand. Um, he would collapse in pain, but Zorik's holding him up by the wrecked hand. He's got him, yeah. Uh, Zorik torments him and says, did you believe that you could kill me? Uh, and Motip says that I never intended to kill him and unclips a grenade from his belt. Um, Zorik's still laughing, asking what he thinks that will do. And Motip tells him he got greedy. You lingered on the raffle for too long when you should have left and gone back to the furious abyss. Uh, Zorik 
has been getting slightly weaker with each psychic attack from Motep, and now the solid physical form has weakened. Motep thrusts his hand and the grenade clean into his body, and the demon screams in rage and fear, screaming, puny human, I will feast upon, but he can't finish the sentence as the explosion rips his body apart and sends Motep flying. Motep lands on the floor as his blood begins to pool around him. He looks out of a viewport as the raffle continues to hurl towards Formesca. He smiles and accepts his doom. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Like, he, he you know, he had the, because he's a son of Magnus, he, he knew what was coming. He had the foresight um, early on. Like, he knew, like, his, his, you know, he left the waning moon because he knew his future laid on on the raffle, and and maybe that's where it was going to end. And this is this is his arc come full story. And like it's like again, it, it's a real with the the thousand sons, and we'll come into it later on in the heresy and, and how that goes. But um, it feels like a real redemption arc, and you you're like as a character, Motep, you're like hey, cool. Like, you know, he did he did what he needed to. He helped everyone out. He did a good job. All right, he's a psyker. All right, the Space Wolves don't like it. All yeah. right, he shouldn't have been doing it. Um, but, you know, it definitely it definitely helps fuel the hashtag Magnus did nothing wrong. Like, it's, um, you know, he, he has a he has a good arc and a good moment. And it's a yeah. uh, side, side note. It's one of the bits I talked about before that I enjoy about this book is that it's, even though he belongs to a legion that is uh, traitorous or classed as traitors, and the same with Skrull, yeah. um, as Marines, they are they 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 have very very cool arcs and and moments in this in this in this book. Yeah, it's like he said to Cestus, "I'm here to show you that look, I can do good," and he did, and he did. Unfortunately. Yeah. No one was there to see it. No, 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 indeed. <laughs> Only we know, and we're not telling anyone. Yeah, <laughs> we'll remember it. Yeah, yeah. indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like. I like Moshev. Um, he went. He he died well. Yeah. Um, so speaking of dying well, um, he, on uh, the Furious Abyss, Cestus and his men um, are outside the main reactor, uh, preparing to make the final trip. The noise is deafening. Um, and inside there is a core of pure energy uh, that could kill him before the blast. He gives the others um, orders to take up a defensive position, um, but before they can, a hail of bolt of fire ripples at them, and the word bearers are coming, led by Zadkil. Um, sarcastically, Sister shouts at the others, Ah, we are honoured! Um, Skrull sees Zadkil, and his rage overtakes him, seething hatred towards the man who tried to turn him against the Emperor. Uh, taken off towards the gantry, he runs towards Zadkil, uh, taking out one of the word bearers with his bolter and another with a round through the chest, causing Zadkil to flinch backwards. Cestus shouts for him to stop as it's suicide, and Ringard tells Cestus to hurry up and make the sacrifice worthwhile. Yep. Um, Cestus cuts through the hatch to the reactor, and the heat and radiation pour out, his helmet displaying critical warnings. Um, Cestus asks Bringar for the bandoliers and melter bombs. Uh, and Bringar tells them, look, this is a one-way trip. And Cestus says, look, I know, so hurry up and hand him over. Bringar says, no, not for you, and punches him in the head, knocking him down. <laughs> Bringar steps into the reactor and tells Cestus to avenge him and the Legion. 
Scrow, he's making pace up the stairs and about halfway he runs out of ammo, swapping the bolter for his chain axe as he reaches the top and comes into view of the word bearers as they fire at him. Bullets impact him, but they do not slow him down as the fury is on him. Two more shots take him in the chest as he reaches the line of enemy. He cleaves one in half and tears the face off a second and boots one over the gantry. Lastly, he faces Zadkiel. He runs forward and Zadkiel calmly raises his pistol and shoots Scrow through the neck. Scrow lashes out, slicing through the bolt and taking three of Zadkiel's fingers with it. Suddenly, his legs give way and he falls to his knees, smiling, and says that he was never a slave. Zadkiel tells him he's never been anything else and pushes his sword straight through Scrow's eye, killing him. He removes the sword and tells his sergeant to kill the rest. Uh, so that's the end of Scrow. That's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Yeah. Um, oh, we'll quickly do this next bit then, and then yeah. we'll unpack it all. Um, so, so Cestus gets up and tries to get into the hatch, um, but the bolt of fire cuts him off. He knows there's only minutes until the engine bay goes up in flames. He wants to kill Zadkiel now, but he knows he has to. Le- he knows that Zadkiel's left the area uh, and goes to the shuttle bay, where he knows he will find him. Bringar, he's not quite dead yet. He's making his way through the other side of the shield wall inside the reactor and breaks his way through to the core. Feels the heat wash over him. He's taken by the beautiful sight of raging energy. His hair and skin begin to burn and he primes the metal bombs, looking down at the hundred foot drop. He steps off and the first explosion takes him in a clap of thunder. Suddenly, he is on the mountains of Fenris, looking into the sea. He sees the great orca swimming and dives in with his spear. As he's fallen, he feels a strange sensation, as if he's going home. The explosion rocks the furious abyss, the reactor falling and releasing rain of fire and metal, taking anyone out nearby, uh, sets sets off a chain reaction through the ship. Uh, Crawling through the last corridor towards the escape pod, Zadkiel finally makes it and seals off the hatch and watches as his men that followed him are taken by the huge blast of plasma. Um, he sounds the abandoned ship alarm and heads for the escape pods. Um, right. Like you said, there was a lot to unpack there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed. So we had the moment that Skrull's been waiting for, for the, the two weeks, however long it is that he's been stuck in this mindless torment on yeah. the ship um, and gets to face Zadkiel. Zad, Zad and like, I think earlier on in the chapter, um, Bringar says to him, like, oh, you've been hunted like a slave. Um, yeah. And that 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 that's in Skrull's head, and this is this is his moment of redemption. Like he doesn't, he, he knows he doesn't need to kill Zadkiel. He just yeah. wants to get close enough to him to draw blood. Yeah. And like the way it's described, like is he's, you know, he's he's obviously in in his rage, right? He's got this full everything's going. Like he's he's used his gun, he's got his axe out, he's taking shots. It's like the end of Scarface, Tony yeah. Montana. Like you know, he's he's. he's <laughs> He's asking to be shot. He's taking all of these hits and he's just wrecking them. Yeah. And then he gets to Zadkiel and like, again, Zadkiel being a very confident, arrogant type of chap, he is like, pulls it, it's like, uh, quite dismissive, yeah. fires a shot through his throat, thinks that's going to be it. Not for scroll. <laughs> Reaches out, cuts, cuts his fingers off and then, uh, and then slumps down knowing he's, he's done what he wanted to do. Um, and then obviously go go back over to Zadgil at that point as well, who still maintains this kind of dismissive air of uh, 
superiority as he uh, yeah. he finishes them off with a sword through the eye, and you're like, like on the one hand, you're like, I was like really like happy for Scroll to get his moment, and then the other side of it, I'm like, but actually, his very very last moment is really shit. And you're like, wow, this 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 book keeps doing that to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, like his death was like. It, it was. I mean, he. I think if it, if it had ended by killing, I mean, he got to kill Reskill, but if that was like the last bad mm. guy he killed, maybe we would have felt a little bit better. Yeah. Because he, he he wasn't there to kill the main bad guy. We know whose job that is. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I but, mean, I mean, he, I, he, yeah, he did all right though, didn't he? He's it, been, it, you know, it's it's a it's a really good way to go. Like, yeah. uh, and it, and it, it tees up the other part. The yeah. other, the other sacrifice, yeah. which is uh, Bringar, who is is like, um, you know, he's like this. This is a one way ticket, but it, we don't both have to die here. Um, and then, in typical Bringar fashion, rather than you know slamming the door or something like that, punches yeah. him in the back of the head, like <laughs> 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 just pop, and yeah. then uh, like Cestus is knocked out, and then and then that's it. And it's like, you know. It, it's the way Bringar would have done it, right? But then, yeah. you know, this is this is now Bringar and his his redemption for, oh. for for what's happened. This is this is Mother Fenris calling him. He has That's another crazy. like spirit journey mm. where he's he's just it says like he's he's back on Fenris, like he can see the Silver Sea, he can hear the Orca. Yeah. He's in he's in a loin cloth just with a knife, and he's he's ready to go hunting and. Um, you know, just as the the wave of um, heat and energy takes him, it's like the same time he's diving into the ocean on Fenris. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very very warrior poet type stuff. Yeah. Um, and then and then obviously you're like, okay, so that's those two dead, and you're like, fucking hell, what what's coming? You know, who's left? It's like <laughs> it's now just Cestus, and you're like, right, this is you know, we're in the end game now. Yeah. It's now going to go that way. Obviously, Zadkiel still pulling his you know, Bond villain shit has has like he's sealed the doors and he's watching all of his men die from plasma. <laughs> what <a> dick. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, right, I'm gonna go and get myself a lifeboat. Like yeah. we'll call uh we'll call it all off. Abandoned ship. It's been yeah. a good it's you know, it's been a good experiment, lads, but we're done now. Like yeah. let's go. And and yeah, like As if, right, he gets onto a lifeboat as if anybody welcomes him in. Oh, I mean like, like he he might get he or he'll get welcome in and then he'll be killed or something else. horrible will happen to him. Yeah. He'll get turned into something. He's not going back to his old job, is he? Corferon isn't having any of this. Like no. you know, Corferon, you know, one. But obviously, this is the thing. Zadkiel's so like arrogant that he's probably thinking in his head. I'll just kill Corferon, or like you know, he's like, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just, you know, it's all right. I'll, I'll be Lorgar's right hand man. Yeah, I'll cover this up. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it, it, it's very Zadkiel, but yeah, yeah, he's so he's, 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 he's done the dirty again, and he's now, you know, he's called abandoned ship, and there we go. Yeah. But yeah, really dramatic. Like yeah, you've got to like take a breath. I remember that I said I was like. Oh, 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 there we go. Right, last chapter. Like, yeah. what's going to happen now? <laughs> like, well, shall we find out? Let's do it. 
Chapter 21, the eve of battle, face to face, and still we will fight. Okay, so on the flagship, Corferon is praying to an idol of Lorgar. The prayers given on the eve of battle would ensure the word bearers were ready. Their devoutness have set them above the rest. His prayers are interrupted by Tenebron, uh, who tells him that they have not received the signal to attack from the furious abyss. Um, the supplicants were activated as ordered, and they detected a psychic blast. Um, Corferon asks if that was Formasca being destroyed, but is told that it was not. Uh, it's still there. Zadkil has failed. Um, Corferon t- takes Tenebron through to the next chamber, where hundreds of his men were knelt in prayer. Zadkil has failed, he announces to them. This will not be the massacre we were promised, but a fight to the death. Kalf will not go easily. He orders them to say the last prayers, get to arms, and then to the drop pods immediately. Um, So I would imagine we're going to get that battle in a a later book. Yes, correct. Yep. So we'll leave that for now, but we look forward to seeing what goes on. Uh, next. Um, meanwhile, Cestus hears and fills the ship as the reactor explodes, killing the menials that try to stop him. He pushes onwards, dodging fallen metal and other explosions. He makes it through a hatch, seals it behind him, and sees a lone figure standing within, calling out, Word bearer. The shadow turns around and says, So, you are the one I have to thank for this. Um, and he says, You are Zadkiel. I thought the captain went down with his ship. Zakil says, this will not be my destiny, and draws his sword. And Cestus draws his own sword and says, I have your destiny right here. Love it. Spicy stuff. Yeah. Um, So they basically exchange insults, and um, Zakil says, you're a full ultramarine. You have no idea of the power of the universe. They are real gods, not ghosts or ciphers or interloping xenos but beings that pray back uh, he continues to rant and Cestus thinks that he's gone mad and wonders how long this legion has been has been like this uh, Lorgar and these gods have a vision for the realities to become one and remove the limits to the human mind and Cestus tells him that it is a dream doomed to foul and tosses aside his helmet then um, Zadkil tells him that he underestimates the power of the word and Cestus tells him that talk is cheap and lunges at him. Uh, Zadkil, as we've obviously seen, is an expert swordsman and is actually better trained than the ultramarine. Uh, Cestus, though, is fueled by hatred now um, and he's hitting him with everything he has. Zadkil is able to fend and parry most of the attacks and even cuts into uh, Cestus's shoulder and slash a wound into his chest, forcing him back. Cestus rebalances and lunges at him and Zadkil turns and as Cestus slides across the floor, he plunges his sword through Zadkil's leg and punches him in the chin. His sword comes down an inch from his face and Cestus is able to grab his arm and take, it, take off Zadkil's sword hand uh, and pull himself up, forcing Zadkil to his knees. Uh, Zadkil tells him this is the beginning of the end and they will have Gilliman's head and parade it to terror. The ultramarines cannot win. And Cestus says, yet, we still fight, and lops off Zadkil's head. Cestus is spent, falls to his knees, feeling a mortal wound on his side as his world begins to fade. As he lays dying in a pool of his own blood, 
he feels satisfied at completing the mission and his duty ends with his death. And so ends the battle for the abyss. Right. Like, yeah. And so it's, it's interesting because I get like, if we, if it, like not only are you like, is everyone like exhausted and like, oh, what's happened there? <laughs> uh, it's, it's also where the criticism for the book comes in. Cause they're like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it didn't do anything. It, it, everyone died, and I'm I, a part of me. It's like I don't care. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you think about the scale of this, the, the scale of this. I mean, right, fine. It might not have had to be part of the heresy, but it would still be a book. There's loads of stuff like this has happened, it's and there's all these individual, yeah. all these individual battles are going on. So this is like an example of the like we obviously you know more than I do, and I know a little bit just from what I've been told. The attack on McCra- the Ultramarines still uh, happened. Kalf. So the, yeah. the Battle of Kalf, yeah. Yeah, so that's still going to happen. Oh, maybe, absolutely. Right, we'll, we'll get to it as to other things that come into it, and maybe, yeah, this this didn't matter, but for the people involved, it mattered. Um, like, there, there was a whole purpose of getting here, wasn't there? Like, um, yeah. Sure, surely, surely, like at the very least, the attack was unmasked, and the and this moon wasn't destroyed when it was supposed to be. Yeah. So, and, and I, 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 I said I remember reading this, and there's stuff in there that, and I'm sure someone might have done it, but if not, they should. Uh, but it's like the type of thing that I'd look at and I'd go, do you know what? Or actually, like if I was more, um, more like Tom, um, yeah. and able to, you know, build up. Um, my kit bash models and do that. I'd I'd be looking to build like Bringar and his blood claws. I'd, yeah. I'd be I'd be looking to build maybe the the Ultramarines contingent of this book. Yeah, just because they're cool little characters. Yeah. Um, and I know that they're only in this, but or Squirrel as a as a as a as a world eater because you know some of it is just about you know the hobby itself. Yeah, is you have these little characters, these little moments. And it's up to you to, to to do what you want with them. And so, yeah, I I, I liked it. Isn't that what we're doing though? When we play forty k against each other, like these battles don't matter, but we're doing it. Yeah, and uh, and you get it. Like as I said, I've I've seen it on lots of battle reports and stuff mm-hmm. like that. People give their their models, you know, their 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 captains, their um their their squad sergeants they'll get yeah. names if they take out you know if they do well yeah. in a particular battle and it's like from then on yeah. that's you know that's dave yeah. he's <laughs> he's he's the guy that took out bjorn yeah and that and that's it like it's 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 part of it but yeah. I, as i said for me it's 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 just a very i liked all the characters i know yeah. and like i like i like i loved rear admiral kaminska for example yeah. i thought she was a really good character like um and I like the flavour of the Saturn. This gives you that flavour of the Saturnine fleet. It gives you so many things that you can go on and investigate. It also yeah. does foreshadow stuff because we get Kelbor Howl and we get a tease of what might be going on with the Mechanicum, which is the next book anyway, isn't it? It is the next book, yeah. So, yeah. and that, if this was a four-parter, we might be we might be on quite a long one for Mechanicum. yeah. Because it's a bit like, well, you remember, I can't remember, it's a bit of a tangent, but you remember, like, we did Legion over, was Legion six parts? 
No, no, Legion was four, Fulgrim was five parts. That's the longest one we've done. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, fine. it maybe feels it like it feels like six parts. I know what you mean. Maybe it uh, felt like six. And parts. I feel like maybe this one could have been an extra part. I yeah. When we started Battle for the Abyss, I thought three parts that push, <laughs> and I, I forget how much we talk. <laughs> I I always I always underestimate them. Right when yeah. when, when we're doing these, and I'm like, oh yeah, they're Battle for the Abyss one, maybe two. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm feeling like looking at it, Mechanicum may be a six-parter. It's not a massive book. It's it's not a massive book, but so it's, much there's so much to unpack. It's complicated, and there's a lot of depth to it. Yeah. But anyway, we're not talking we'll about that yet. That's what's yeah. coming up. But overall, to yeah, my my uh, sort of um, uh, cascading diet diatribe here. Overall, really like the book. Yeah. Really like you know. I get why some people you know criticize it. I don't find that much criticism in it. If, it, if, it, your only criticism, it if your only criticism is it doesn't matter in the wider heresy, then at least you've read a good book. Like it's a fun exactly. book. What like if you don't like this, you just don't like fun. No, it is said it, it's it's a it's popcorn. It's uh, you know it's pulp fiction. It's yeah. it's it's not Shakespeare. Um, yeah, but you don't we don't want it to be. No, no. Um, right, so there is one more part to this. Um, mm-hmm. We'll do our usual selfless plug, and then we'll leave you with a reading from the word of Lorgar uh, provided by Tom after that. So don't end this. No, no, stick Bear around with for us that. for two more minutes, and then listen to the the, the, the treat that Tom has prepared for us. It, it, it's like uh, you know the end of the Marvel film. It's yeah. the, uh, the the end stinger, and and yeah. it is it, you know on a note, it's it's nice. It's a good way of finishing this book because it kind of highlights the futile sacrifice that's gone on. But you're yeah. you know when you listen to it, and it is worth listening to because it does give it the atmospheric touch yeah. that it needs. Yeah. So stick around. So quickly, Instagram Island Ceramite, come and show us your models. Come tell us what you think of ours. Uh, and you can follow us all individually on there. We're on Facebook. If you want to talk to us about anything hobby-related, we're always on there. Uh, we've got Twitter as well. All of those things, just search Iron and Ceramite. If you're watching this on YouTube, please do like the video. Please subscribe to the channel. And if you want to share it with your friends, we'd appreciate that. Um, and obviously, if you're just listening to us while you're doing your hobby in, then we're on all good podcast services. Do rate us and share us on there. Twitch, we're on Twitch. I've had a couple of games of Space Marine. We aim to get some more done um, as and when we can. So do get on there for when things really heat up. Uh, if you want to support the channel, we do have a Patreon. Head over there uh, and take a look. Uh, we're working on revamping it. I think there's some plans in the work or there's been some discussion. Um, at, at the moment, yeah. if you do subscribe, then we'll stick um, your um, profile or your name at the end credits as a thank you for now. Um, and also, if you want to support us and you use Element Games, where they have all the discounted hobby stuff, use our code, which is in the description, um, and at no extra cost to you, as a thank you for sending you via us, eventually we'll get a little kickback from Element Games. That will Any money we make will go back into developing the channel. And finally, if you like combat cards, our clan is Iron and Ceramite. Shane and Glenn are always at the top battling it out. Uh, the rest of us... We're just in the clan, I guess. Um, come chat to us on there. Come wipe the smiles off their faces. There is a new um, member that I think is in third place right now. Is uh, there? Yeah, it's, it's above everyone else in the in, it's from Iron Ceremony, apart from me and Glenn, of course. Yeah. But 
it's interesting <laughs> to see that there's, there's some new blood in in the clan. I haven't been on in a while. Uh, I've been a bit lack. I need to get back on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I say, there's a few people on there now. Uh, come and play with us. Um, and we'll see you um, on the first part of 40 of Mechanicum. Yes, indeed. <laughs> see you later and enjoy the, uh, the word of Lorgar. This conclusion to the word is no conclusion at all, for it shall go on. The future as it is written is but the merest fraction of the wonders that will be unveiled by my vision. When mankind and the warp are one, when our souls are joined in an endless psychic sea, then the truth of reality will be open to all, and we shall enter an aeon where even the most enlightened of us shall be revealed to have been groping in the darkness for some truth to sustain us. Yes, the wonders I seek are but the beginning, and for our enemies, those who would defy the future and attempt to crush the hopes of our species, the pain is only just beginning too. Our enemies will fight, and they will lose, and destruction will be visited upon them, for it is written. Even beyond those first battles, there is a purgatory of the soul that the most tormented of our foes cannot imagine. Yes, for those who will deny their place in the word, these hateful birth pangs of the future will be but a splinter of their suffering.